it has seemed so fluffy that a lot of organizations really didn't put the energy and effort into it. But optimism is good business. It Period. is good business. It Period. is good business strategy of the highest order. There is not a single solitary metric that I have been able to find. And I would really dare anyone to find that doesn't support optimism as making a person's entire experience better. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud, a Thinker production. Um, we are here in uh, beautiful downtown Sioux Falls. We are in a different location than what we are traditionally in. We want to make sure that we are adhering to uh, CDC guidelines when we're doing this particular type of format. You know we have to keep it safe. My name is Vani Hurari. I'm here with my co-founder, Tamian Dicehart. Um, we have been doing this podcast uh, for, for some time in some you know, type of fashion, but we wanted to be a little bit more intentional about it, particularly in this time. And so we're going to bring it to you in a slightly different format. We want to make sure that right now and going into the future, we make sure that we give you all the type of value uh, that makes sense. And we want to make sure that we give you some things that really can help you get better in this time and into the future. So I want to give you a little background of how we'll do this podcast going into it. So we want to take your questions, your thoughts, things like that, which you can find on our socials, Think3D Solutions. You can look that up on pretty much any platform and find us. And we want you to engage with us, DM us, follow our posts, any of those type of things so we can be talking about the things that are important to you. And the way we think about the world is really in our three dimensions, which is the 3D of Think3D, which is personal, professional, potential. Um, those are the three dimensions of a healthy culture. So professional is, you know, the things that you need for your job or whatever it is that you do. Um, are you being trained effectively to do those type of things? Do you have the equipment that you need to do those type of things? There's the potential, which is how you grow and develop talent, how you identify talent, take it to the next level. And then there is the personal. This is the one that is usually most lacking in the world. And the personal is what allows us to focus on the human being, give credence to how a person goes home or is home and how a person comes back or works from home as it is relevant right now. And so we're going to talk about a few things. And the way we think about receiving information is through our soil process. And I'm going to let Tamian uh, run you through that. Yeah, so the soil process is really developed over years of going to trainings, uh, engaging with different folks and, and different information and really challenging ourselves to say, how can you take information and make sure it truly uh, gets planted deep within your mental soil? And so the first part of the soil is the S, soaking in. Uh, that is exposure, really. What are you exposing yourself to? And I know in these current times, we have folks, again, uh, exposing themselves to all kinds of information. But when you come across good information, you say, actually, how do I go beyond just hearing something and making sure it actually sticks? It's allowing it to soak in. So what information are you allowing yourself to soak in? And I would challenge you in that. Um, really differentiate, again, good versus negative. Uh, be intentional about what you're soaking in. Then we move to the O, observe. Observing deepens the importance of application as you take a topic like we'll talk about today, optimism. Uh, be observant of the world around you. How many people are, uh, around you are 
uh, implementing those type of things or, or actually engaging in that type of thing. Be observant of the world around you because one thing you're guaranteed to understand in that process is separation. Most people don't give any kind of credence or any kind of uh, effort to applying the things that they learn. And so you see most people just uh, kind of go through life and just um, do status quo, whatever is given to them. So as you observe and watch people around you, you really see how if you could actually implement that information, which is the third step, the I, if I implement this information, how can it help transform my life? And so uh, one of the challenges we always ask folks when you think about implement, at any given moment, someone should be able to walk up to you and say, what one to three things at minimum are you in the process, current process of implementing in your life? If you can't give that a definitive answer, what's the chances are or chances of you growing, right? So if you want to grow, what are you actually implementing? So you could be exposed to lots of information, but be keen on what one to three things are you actually going to take away are you actually going to put into process to actually uh, engraft into your life? And the last is L. Uh, L is look back so you can kind of reflect and then also look forward. So in that simplicity, let's say you read, read a good book uh, and you say, how am I going to soak this into my soil? You actually take time to observe it, implement some things. After maybe 30 to 60 days, look back and see, has my growth trajectory changed at all? If it has, then obviously you know that you're growing, but then what that does, it gives you kind of an effort index, right? So once you know that you're actually putting forth effort, you can see your trajectory uh, changing and growing, and now you can look forward and forecast differently. So if you keep that same trajectory over the next 12 months, how might your life be different? So looking back to look forward is kind of our soil process to help people kind of walk through and metabolize any learning, not just thinking out loud or stuff from Think3D, but any learning, go through the soil process, soak in, observe, implement, and look back and look forward. Absolutely. And so with that, uh, let's get into it. So the subject matter for today, the, the topic that we wanted to, uh, to touch on today is uh, optimism. Optimism. Um, right now, uh, in some arenas, it is in short supply. In others, it is the thing that is propelling our country world in a lot of ways forward. Now, I am a 100% card-carrying optimist. I'm all the way into it, you know? And so it, it's a pressing topic right now in terms of uh, uh, whether or not people have it or they don't and what are the effects of having it. And so let's take it through that uh, professional lens uh, to start with, what are, what are your thoughts just about what the tone is out here and how, how organizations are activating and how they're engaging their people during this time? Because obviously um, nobody could really be prepared for this, but you could be more prepared than some are. Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously in the business that we do dealing with leadership development and organizational culture, uh, a lot of businesses are being stress tested. You know, mm -hmm. we good cultures, quote unquote, is being tested. Do you really? Right. And so obviously no one could have saw this coming uh, to this degree specifically. Uh, but as you see that, you see how are people responding to it? And so again, this is, I mean, in our lifetime, you know, we're 39 and 40 uh, years old. Uh, this is, we've never seen it like this, right? And so it's being stress tested. And so when you go down to the cores of culture and leadership and the real core constructs of businesses, what have you been planting? So we can go, more, go back to the soil. What seeds have you been planting? Because if there hasn't been seeds planted, right. there's no fruit coming to bear right now. And that's true. And I think, uh, you know, when you talk to a lot of organizations going into this, everybody kind of probably, uh, everybody overestimated the, their, their culture to a degree. Mm -hmm. 
some far more uh, 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 than others. And I think what happens is, is when you have these type of situations and people want to activate, the idea comes to them and they may want to do the right thing. Sure. And people always ask, what can I do right now? Sure. And the options that, of what you can do right now are far more limited if you do not have cash yet. If you don't have relationship, if you haven't been kind of laying the infrastructure, so to speak. So let's, let's go on that, though. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> most people, we always say, you know, take, take effective communication. 95% of all issues come down to a miscommunication or misunderstanding. Meanwhile, 95% of the time, positive intention was there. So similar, positive intention was there. Right. Right? So again, no organizations wanted this to happen or wanted to see this unfold. How do you see that in terms of intention? I'll give you two parts to that. Intention um, compared to what's happening now. Obviously, you couldn't foresee that. But then more importantly... As we, we don't know quite when we're coming out of this, but how do we leverage this from an optimistic standpoint to make sure we're building ourselves forward? I don't say bulletproof, but better prepared and coming out of it better. Yeah, I think this is, uh, I think this is the, the, the corner turn for fluidity. I think we were at a um, crossroads, so to speak, of this world of set functions you come in eight to five you work 40 hour weeks or whatever you get 15 minute breaks and then one one hour break all of those type of things where it was just kind of this set thing that everything had to fit into right we, we talk about this all the time you walk up to the average person the average business owner you ask them why do people work 40 hours and they have no idea but that's just what they do right they don't understand now we're transitioning into this thing of a gig economy of of freelancers, of, you know, virtual working, all of those other type of things. And so there's a level of fluidity. And I think the transition has to happen um, emotionally and mentally as well. We're still pretty rigid in terms of our thinking and how we think about people, right? We're still in this place where uh, we're still thinking, leave it at the door. This is a professional work environment. This is just about work and da 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 And what, what it does is, is that people want to run a, a tight ship. Yes. And when you want to want to uh, when you want to run a tight ship, that's what it is. It's tight. And the thing about it is, is tightness oftentimes can kill flow, right? And for those who are not familiar with the concept of flow, I encourage you to to take a look at that. is It's a really great concept. But it's the idea of challenge versus skill, right? It's the idea that when something is um, not challenging at all, doesn't get you motivated or going, you uh, tend to quit it. And then when something is uh, too challenging to where you don't feel like you're skilled up for it. You tend to get frustrated and quit, and, and kind of that place in between that is what we call flow. It's when you come in and, and everything is humming, and you know you got the skills, and the work is interesting enough to have you focus on it, and you're just going. And yeah. sometimes you can get into that flow as a team, and when that happens, it feels like you're floating. It feels like magic is happening. That's where you want to be. You want to be in flow. But like any sports movement, any athletic movement, if you're too tight, it constricts it. Yes. It actually increases the likelihood that you injure yourself. Yeah. It makes it less likely that the ball goes further or higher or is better. The tightness constricts your ability to move, to be, to pivot, to be dynamic. And I think a lot of organizations that were in that tight space are struggling right now. Think about this. What people don't even think about while we're going through our curtain situation. We got a lot of Americans out there that are furloughed, right? 
and their employers are still trying to keep them engaged, still trying to keep them focused because mm -hmm. we know that for a lot of people, working effectively is a routine. It is a habit that they are in. The longer yeah. people get used to sitting on the couch, the longer they get used to sitting on their couch, right? It's going to be harder to get them back activated. So you got some uh, leaders who are trying to engage their people, but guess what? They don't work for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> they don't work. They're getting unemployment. They don't work for you right now. And so now the only way that you can really get people to engage with you is if they want to. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I think, you know, when you think about the um, the construction of impossible, we can't because and before we couldn't do these things because you know, right now, how many businesses had said we can't do work from home? Right. That's not a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> now, lo and behold, lo and behold, you made it work. And what I'm hoping it comes out of it on the optimistic side of it is not only does it get us to stretch into new possibilities because we have no idea what is, you know, what the economy is going to look like coming out of this. Um, but as we'll talk about, I'm sure, again, what, what is the other option other than being hopeful in the moment? But now that we have this exposure to stretching possibilities, you're seeing businesses that saw uh, I can shift and move, right? My wife works in a call center. She's now working from home. And now, you know, for some businesses, they could start to see maybe we don't need that $10 million building. We can probably make this work and have some work from home options. But and not just in the space of location and workforce, where do you think it's going to land in terms of, because we are creatures of habit, as you talked about, it's habit and, and things that we're used to. Let's fast forward six to eight months, right? Let's say we come back, we recover, especially here in Sioux Falls. I, I believe we're going to be really resilient uh, coming out of this. Uh, but to the point of how much are people going to be open or business leaders open to say, let's actually see what's possible within our workforce with, and then, and then, and then, moving into other areas i think if you're not one of those businesses you won't be a business for long it's just not going to be a world that you could really work in it's just it's just like all of those businesses in the early 90s they're like the internet we don't need the internet okay <laughs> who, who are they <laughs> right you know what i mean it, it's going to be one of those situations because there are certain things that allow us to get back into our rhythm and that happens quite a bit but this is one of those levels of pain that you just don't ever want to go back to so i think people are going to try to proof themselves of this type of experience. That's mm -hmm. number one. Uh, uh, number two, again, it's going to be hard to look at some of those numbers in terms of what that building is going to cost or whatever. It's going to be hard to look at all of that when you figure out that there's different ways for you to do things. I think restaurants and organizations like that that didn't have a ro robust carryout or delivery functionality, now they have those. I don't think they want to go back from that because they have another revenue stream there. There's a lot of brick and mortars who were forced online that maybe resisted it to begin with. Now they have another source of income. I don't think they're going to want to go back from that. So I think there's a lot of scenarios where we are going to change substantively, significantly, and for forever. That said... I think, again, I think that the thing that people are, are less likely to pick up on is the tone of which they engage with their people. Again, the mental and emotional piece of it. I think a lot of times organizations, because um, they're focused on the bottom line, of course, it makes things like culture and mental and emotional health difficult to deal with because those things are hard to metric. Yeah. Right. You don't know how depressed a person is or how much anxiety they have or if it's really bothering them, because we know in certain situations, particularly if you're in a place where it's metered working, where we could tell how much you're working and whatever. When that person says, I need a mental day, we all know what's going in that leader's head. Like, do you really? Yeah. Right. That type of thing. And. It just seems so fluffy that a lot of organizations really didn't put the energy and effort into it. But optimism is good business. 
It is good business. It is good business strategy of the highest order. There is not a single solitary metric that I have been able to find, and I would really dare anyone to find, that doesn't support optimism as making a person's entire experience better. You're going to sleep better. You're going to work better. You're going to have better relationships. You're going to be more focused. You're going to be healthier. You're going every single element. Right now, there's there's two different types of even business owners who I'm obviously we're big proponents of as entrepreneurs ourselves. There's two types. There's an entrepreneur that is that is worried out of their brains. That is glass half empty. Mm-hmm. There's somebody that is worried out of their brains and their glass half full, right? Two people in kind of that s- similar situation. The person who's glass half full, that that entrepreneur is sleeping. The glass half empty one, they're not. So when you get up in the morning, the next morning, you got to figure out how to get your business through it. You got to get in front of your yeah. people with a smiling face and you have to talk to your vendors and ha- try to get them to understand. And you have to maintain a household with your spouse and children or whoever. If you are off asleep, if you are in a dark place, it's going to be far more difficult for you to do that. And we know that we can feel that right now. That in and of itself just shows you that optimism as a strategy, not just as a feeling, as a strategy makes more sense than anything else. Let's take that. So you talk about data, right? Um, Gallup has done probably more research within the workspace than any business out there, organization out there. And they said, uh, one of the studies has said hope, hope is one of the, the number one predictors of success in, in, in the future, right? <clears throat> Go back to the definition of optimism is hopefulness and confidence about the future. So as we, as we take that back to what I can control, because we're huge proponents of what I can control, what I can influence, and the things I'm concerned about but can't influence or control, it's a waste of energy, right? right. So in that space, when we talk about hope, right, and, and hopefulness, um, one of my quotes that I love uh, comes from Albert Einstein. He said, um, imagination is the preview of life's coming attractions, mm-hmm. right? So if you take away hope or confidence in the future, what's the odds that I'm actually... Uh, engaging and dreaming of possibilities of what can be. And I know it seems like this isn't what right. we thought six months ago, but okay, these are your hand. This is your hand. Well, I think that's a perfect segue in, in, into potential. Yeah. How do we take care of the, the potential? And one of the things, my thing is this, is that um, potential is the only way to get better. This is how people have to think about it. It's about potential. Potential is the only way to get better, right? You've everything you've done thus far has only brought you this far, mm-hmm. right? Everything you've done thus far was only enough to get you this far. What you do tomorrow is dependent on what happens today, right? If you get better today, you are more likely to have a better tomorrow. That's just the facts of it. And so, if you're just leaning on what happened yesterday, that doesn't do anything for you tomorrow. What you do today is what determines tomorrow. And so that's all based in potential. Today is all potential. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, the past is what was. The future is what will be. Yeah. Today is all about potential. What are you going to do today 
to better tomorrow. Anytime we have conversations with people, and this is where people get challenged a lot. Anytime we have conversations with people about how they're going to get better. And keep in mind, this is one of the things that keep people from getting on this train is that they won't already want to be there. If they're not there, they don't feel comfortable coaching other people and they don't feel comfortable talking about uh, uh, the things that they're proud of within themselves. Because they don't want someone to find their flaws or where they're missing. But that's not what it's about. It's not about what you haven't accomplished. It's about your potential to accomplish. Yeah. It's about what you can do right now to change whatever you feel right now. And that's the beautiful part about it. And so how we challenge people all the time and say, what are you going to do today? Today. That's going better than tomorrow. And it's amazing. It's incredible how many people don't have an answer for that. Man. And that's, so let's, cause, because again, so many people, and I want to come back to this point of, Blind optimism, right? Yeah. There's a thing, blind optimism. And so a lot of people say the right things, the wordplay. But to your point about what I can't control uh, only makes sense. You know, it reminds me of, of Zig Ziglar talks about, he said, go as far as your eye can see. That's all you got to worry about. As far mm -hmm. as you can see now, under current circumstances, people's horizons has shrunk a lot. For sure. I may be only be able to see to the end of the block right now. For sure. Right? But what should be the goal then tomorrow? Run to the end of the block. Right. And then when you get to the end of the block, guess what? You can see another block. You ain't got to worry about miles at this point. Right. Run to the end of the block. And what I think that comes down to, again, if we could, if we could scale it down to something tangible and real, that everybody could look themselves in the mirror uh, starting their day out and then evaluate themselves at the end of the day, what is your effort index? Hello. What is your effort index? One to ten, how much did I give it today? Because that's what I can control. I can't, again, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm doing, as we both know, we're done making predictions. I was supposed to be in uh, San Diego Friday. Right. You know, three weeks ago, I was like, I'm still going. Right. When I'm done making predictions. Our calendar was full. full. <laughs> but what I know is, this is the, today, I can, I can challenge myself to give a 10 today. Run to the end of the block today. When I do that, that's going to change my circumstances. So in that, let's go back to blind optimism. A lot of people, as you say, we're talking about, nah, it's going to be good. Okay, how? Or what are you going to do to make sure that happens? Huh. I got nothing. Well, and even, and even that mentality of thinking about what you have done or what you are doing, more importantly, what you are doing, helps you slip into pessimism, right? It, it keeps you from slipping into that. Imagine what would happen if people actually were able to hold in context or to measure where they were at and what they have with what they did with the effort they gave? What if people just did that? What if people just say, man, today wasn't a great day. Okay, what did you do to make it a great day? Nothing. Makes sense then. Right? What if somebody says, hey, I, got a I, got, I gave a 20 effort, and I'm sad that I got a 20 return. Makes sense. What I want to hear from people, which I almost never hear from people, is that I gave it all I had. Talk and I'm you. not satisfied with the results. Almost never hear it. <laughs> Almost yeah. never hear it. This is, it's just something that really happens. So that's one of the things that we have to challenge. But I think what you're talking about actually moves us into the next dimension, which is, which is personal, is when we talk about optimism, I think people in concept understand it. I think people in concept might get it. I just don't know that they understand the reality of it. One of my favorite lines, and, and I'll probably quote it a, a, a lot throughout this, is, is, is actually a Drake line. And I'm, I'm not normally one to quote Drake, but this is one of my favorite lines, which is, I'm the type to say a prayer 
and then go get what I just prayed for. And I think that is the model. I think hope, optimism, prayer, all of those things, I feel belief, all of those things have an energy to them. All of those things um, are real, just in their energy. I I do believe that if you just believe in something versus not, I do believe that you're better off. And I believe that there's a lot of evidence that supports that. If that's all that happens, call it a placebo, call it whatever you want. But the reality of it is, 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 it shows a benefit. Um, But when you activate it, when you put work behind it, when you put energy behind it, when you stand on it, when you develop a plan, when you have a process, when it's something that you do. If you're saying every day I'm trying to do something to improve a person's life, every day I'm trying to show gratitude in some way, every day I'm trying to make sure that I uh, transmit this energy out into the world, every day I'm going to do something to move this rock forward, every day. If you have any of those type of thought processes and that's how you're approaching it, you're going to be a better person. And as such, you're going to have a better environment. As such, you're going to have a better life. That's the bottom line to it. You got to put activity behind it. And a lot of people personally, it's difficult for them, right? Because we are coming out of a time where we deny people the right to depression. We deny people the right to anxiety. We deny people the right to Uh, um, uh, mental health or emotional health or just feeling this way or that way. It was suck it up. It was your soft. It was your weak. It was your blah, 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 to to, to the point where there's such a stigma around it that people can't even work through some of these different emotions and feelings. And I think as a result of that, these are chickens coming home to roost. We're at a place right now where Mm -hmm. people are figuring out how to live in a world where people get to wear their emotions where they actually get to be honest about how they feel or what it is that they're going to. I just think it's jarring for people right now. And we have to get people to figure out how do we work at the best, right? Being that I can't tell you how much depression or anxiety or whatever that you have. I can't tell you any of that. But do I get to have an expectation for how you manage it? Do I have a, get to have an expectation for, for what I can observe you trying or attempting? That negotiation, that piece of it, is I think where we're at right now that leaves a lot of opportunity because I think that's where pessimism really comes into. There's no case against optimism outside of having one of those situations where it's just hard for you to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that usually goes into mental and emotional health. And we can't skip that conversation, and we often do. Yeah, I mean, because you ask yourself, at the core of it, what outcomes do you really want? Or even better yet, I would say, what outcome do you expect? Right? Because... Pessimism, just just walk it out, play it out. Like to your point, all the evidence suggests optimism does X, and all the evidence suggests pessimism does this. What if it doesn't work out? Let's find out. Right. You know that's the one thing you can do. And and you know my favorite quote from Les Brown: "Want shows up in conversation, expectation shows up in behavior." What is that? Because this is a part that I struggle with in terms of we were talking a lot about the personal side of it. <clears throat> what can I do? Right. What can I do? And as we teach in principle of exposure, that in which you're exposed to influences who you become. Because we're coming off of decades of save it at the door, hide your feelings. And we didn't learn those things from our parents and the generations prior. So people aren't, aren't equipped to engage forward in these times of how to effectively deal with these things 
and then even now when we challenge folks, obviously, like how often are you spending time getting to know yourself, uh, thinking, exposing yourself mm-hmm. to good information? I mean, I, I wish I could see. I'm sure there's data out there. How much? How many hours of Netflix is being watched, and all this stuff that's doing <laughs> a lot. N- no benefit, no benefit to these to folks, right? So where does that come in the lines of victimhood? And not to say people are choosing it, but right. What are you choosing versus the 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 reality of of holding being responsible? Someone said they want to absolve themselves the responsibility of what I can do. I'm not saying you can't change the fact that you were unemployed, your job laid you off, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But what can you do? What let's talk about the psychology of where that's coming from and what we can do to Right, 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 right. That. And for me, I want to talk about the, you know, the, the 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 practical way that we look at it, not from a clinical perspective, mm-hmm. you know, go get with somebody that's, uh, you know, a clinical expert that way. But in terms of observers, trainers, developers of people, things that we have seen, witnessed, and we have done um, uh, for, of ourselves, what I would say is, is one of the first things that we have to do is have, how we have to get to a point that whether or not you can affect that thing, whether or not you feel like um, anxiety, depression, or any of those type of things is something that you can affect, something you could do anything about. At a minimum, we have to accept the idea that you could do everything, you could do something about everything else or most everything else, right? So for instance, you can have a bad back, right? No one's saying that you can do anything about your bad back. You might have a herniated disc or whatever it is. There might not be anything you could do about that. Can you strengthen your legs? Can you strengthen your core? Can you be more deliberate in your movements? Can you do all of those things to support that thing to put you in a a space that is going to damage you less or you're going to have less pain or is going to be less prohibitive, right? So that's one of the things that we want to think about that way. The other way, when anytime we we deal with people um, dealing with any type of mental issues, one of the things that we want to be thoughtful about, particularly around anxiety, is what we have found uh, um, through the people we've engaged to, to combat anxiety is the idea of rational thought. I, I, I long since, uh, uh, I, I long ago gave up the idea of like not talking to myself. I used to be like, I, there's only one voice in my mind. Da, da, da. I, f- I have full on conversations all the time. And I just realized that just, just how my brain has to process. I it. win every time. <laughs> and I win every time. But what it has to come down to is, is rational thought. Like, right. What is the rational thought? And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, we might have somebody that says, you know, um, I got, I just got this job and I don't feel confident in this job. And, and I just feel like everybody's waiting for me to fail and da, 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 da. And we have to stop that person and say, why do you think they gave you the job? I don't know. Okay. That's problem number one, because I don't know means I've stopped thinking. Doesn't mean you actually don't know. It just means you you're done. That's what that means. Um, because you should either know or be trying to find out, but that's number one. But people will say is, you know, I don't know. Okay, do you think that they gave you this job so that you could ruin their company that they work for their whole lives or for however long or how they make the money? Well, no. Okay, well, if we know that they didn't want you to have the job to ruin it, Mm -hmm. logically, rationally, they want you to have the job to be successful. And as far as you're concerned, that's the only thing that makes sense. Rational thought. The other thing is, is that it just, there is no benefit to it. And we have to have that conversation. When you think about pessimism or cynicism or anything like that, a lot of people treat it as a coin flip. 
cynicism and trustful. Those things are like the same things, flip, you know, uh, uh, different sides of the coin. No, they're not. They're not even close to the same. Here's the thing about this. If you, if you just uh, accept that everyone is lying to you, it's not going to save you from anyone lying to you. Right? Liars are still going to lie whether you think they're lying or not. The only difference is now all the people who are telling you the truth are lying to. Right? And so what that does is that cuts you off from allies. That cuts you off from support. That cuts you off of developing the type of relationships that you need in order to be successful. And here's what people got to understand. We're operating off of this crazy idea that you're supposed to bat a thousand. Who told you that? <laughs> Says who? And who's doing that? <laughs> right? Who told you that? Let's use trust specifically. Tamian has been my close friend for 23 years, something like that. He could do something right now that would make me never trust him again, potentially. Even if that weren't the case, I got 23 years of trust out of this relationship. 23 years. When we're talking about the average lifespan of a human being up until like the 1800s was 30, we almost have a lifetime of trust, right? And so even if someone, now something will happen right now, I can't trust anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? And I have dozens of relationships that are like this. But isn't, that, isn't that the easy way out though? Like, isn't, isn't of course. That, that's what it goes back to because again, you talk about cynicism, all these different things, it's the easy thing to grab for. It right? is the easiest it's thing. It's the easy thing and it doesn't take a lot of effort to gravitate towards that. Not at all. I, I tell people uh, this, I learned how to be happy by watching people who are unhappy. Let me say that again. I learned how to be happy by watching people who are unhappy. I used to sit back, and I'm a people observer, which, is, which led me into this profession. But I would just watch people, and I would be amazed. I would just be just, just amazed at the laser accuracy in which negative people could be negative, right? It's like um, you could give them a free house, and they would complain about the taxes, you can give them uh, 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 money and they would complain about whether or not it was 20s or 100s. It didn't matter what it was. People could find a way to be negative. And I said to myself, okay, well, if they can be negative with this type of accuracy, why can't I be positive with this type of accuracy? And what I found out was this, is that you can set out to have a great day and you might not. If you set out to have a bad day, you will. So in terms of accuracy, you should choose negativity. It's there every single time. Every time. It will never leave you. It will never abandon you. It will never let you down. It will always be where you left it. Happiness, however, is a daily pursuit. Happiness, every single day, you got to wake up. You got to look for it. You got to go get it. And you got to wrestle it down to have your happiness. And when you get up the next morning, it's going to be on the move again. Happiness is always moving for you. Right. It's just never there. There's always things, factors get, get in your way and may keep you from being happy. But it's so much more worth it. So much worth it. It's so worth it to, to, to go on that pursuit, because what we find out is, is that you can get joy in the pursuit. And that well, so go back to flow. As you talked about earlier, that's the studies show. That's exactly what think about. Think about the vacation. Right. You you go on a week long vacation. It's a week. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, the the pursuit of booking and getting the money towards it, all those different things lead into the happiness of it. Or take take athletes where again flow came from. You talk about take take uh, Michael Johnson, who I think was a two hundred and four hundred uh, gold medalist from years back in the Olympics. How many hours and hours and hours 
to the point is the process. So that's where I think people get it messed up is they want, <clears throat> they, they expect happiness to be this blissful thing 24 7, 365 versus we talk, it's the process. For sure. You have to fall in love with the process and going back to even the soil. What one to three things at any given moment are you currently implementing? Mm -hmm. What are you growing? How are you getting better? How are you making sure that if I run into you six months from now, you're not the same version? Yes. Right. And that's where I think where people again, what what can you do? And it's the that's the part where I just have no time for people that's like just the victimhood. Right? Because victimhood doesn't get you where you're helpless and it doesn't all do the different things. And I was I was thinking about that. Just imagine a simple challenge as just take inventory. Just take a, an easy inventory of how much negativity you you are exposed to versus positivity in a day, right? And, and and then take stock of how much comes out of your mouth. I was listening to a gentleman on on some podcast, and he talked about you know again they say that words are ten times more powerful than thought, and negativity is four to seven times more powerful than positivity. Mm -hmm. So he actually works with like uh, I think the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide uh, football team, and he's like you know positive thinking, all that's well and good. But most people, when you're going through crisis, you're like, man, forget positive thinking. You know, it doesn't help me right now. He mm -hmm. said my starting point, the starting point that he tells people, shut the hell up. If you can just stop repeating mm -hmm. negativity and just think about what's going on right now, we are taught again. Are we? We're. Six feet apart. We're doing everything we can precautionary, but I refuse. I check every day to see where we're at with numbers. I'm not watching any news on this stuff because I'm I'm controlling what I can control. For sure. Right? So, again, where do we start to take back that power? Because optimism, again, is a choice. And taking back that power to say, I'm going to re – I'm going to – and it's not about just turning everything off because we're in a world of social media, various things. But could you let's, – let's, let's say it was 80-20. Could you get it to 75-25? Can you get it to mm -hmm. 70, 30, right? Going back to the analogy we talked about, what can you do right now? How can you run to the end of the block? That's something tangible that people can do to shift the tide. I think, it, I think it, and this is a great place to land, I think it, 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 it goes to our absolute favorite word at Think3D, and that is intention. That's just the bottom line. The bottom line is for everybody out there listening is to ask yourself, like, are you who you are on purpose? On purpose. Are you who you are on purpose? And I want people to actually sit with that and think about that for a second. When you think about who you are, are you just a bundle of circumstances and situations and other people's decisions? The things that your parents chose, the things that your teachers chose, where you lived, where you grew up, the block that you want. Are you just an aggregate of all of those things? Or do you have something to say about it? Yeah. Are you who you are on purpose? Did you intend to be as kind as you are? Did you intend to be as gracious as you are? Did you intend to be as resilient as you are? Did you intend to be as open-minded as you are? Or is it just something where I am what I am? No, you are what you make yourself. Yeah. I th and, e and even right now, as people are home in quarantine, especially if you, for families, right? We ask the question when we do workshops, would you go back and, and live the life your parents would? Mostly, but less than 5% would say yes. And then you ask them the heart question, would your kids want to live the life that you're living? And going back to what we take from our parents and what we learn from our parents, what's happening within a lot of these homes right now, these kids' futures are being informed, not all, all in, but they're mm -hmm. seeing how people are reacting 
to the circle. How do how do you handle these different things? Like my household right now, my girls like they keep like can't so and so come over? They like they're almost oblivious. I'm obviously making them aware of what's happening, but because I'm I'm not freaking out. I'm choosing yeah that. And mostly we challenge folk all the time. Like back to that, are you who you are on purpose? How much time have you spent in your mind defining that? Now people have more time than ever. It's big to and discover I th- that. And I think for leaders out there, this is something that you can get. I coach you football. This is one of the things that I love the most. Shout out to my Bulldogs. B-Town for life. R.I.P. Um, I coach you football and I, I love my kids something terrible. And probably 80% of the job is two things. It's getting them to believe, right, that you can move this person, that you can run that fast, that you can jump that high, that you can do that thing. It's just getting you to believe. It's just getting you to get outside of yourself and to be able to say, like, if I want to do it, I got to go for it full bore and we'll see what happens after that. But I, I believe that I can do it. Getting them to believe and understand that piece of it is a huge component of it. The other piece of it is, is getting them to um, accept the responsibility of being able to change things, is to be able to say, we're down 20 points. Yeah, we're down 20 points. They scored 20 points, so can you. How do you get that back? How do you do that? Can we do that? Can we get that going? We're not yelling at each other. We're not just be- beating up on each other. We're not coming down on each other. They understand that that's not helpful. I got to lift you up. I got to help you do the thing. I got to help you get focused. I got to help you be in the best position to be successful. I got to trust what you're, what you're telling me. I got to know that you're working in my best interest. And when that magic starts to happen and you start to see a team come together and you start to see these young kids who come to you, you know, ho-hum and, and humble and in the back and, and you see them kind of get erect and you see them, their, their shoulders broaden out, their chest come out, their head come up and you see them start activating with some confidence and believing in themselves and they start developing real relationships because it's not a this person's good and that person's not. It's mm-hmm. a we're in this together. We're, we're putting our arms around each other because we're trying to achieve a goal. We want to be great and we got to do that together. Once that magic starts to happen, man, practice is fun. Practice is beautiful. Then the process is something special. I want to go see those people. I want to be around those people. I want to talk to those people because those people understand that we have a fraternity because we're trying to achieve a thing that maybe nobody else in this world is trying to achieve, and we're trying to do that together. And you can have that in your business. You can have that in your household. You can have that in your community. You can have that in your state, country, the world. We yeah. can have that type of relationship. Obviously, it's more difficult the broader you go, but it's something that we can uh, start to affect right now. So, I think on that is just as you to, as, as we kind of land this is saying now more than ever, be a hold yourself accountable to those things and, and be responsible for yourself. But now more than ever, you're seeing who who to uh, engage with. Who who do you want to partner with going forward who are the type of people i want to be around because again if we leverage the people that are saying this glass half full despite saying i'm going to run to the end of the block because that's what i can do yeah i am going to wake up and give a eight or above effort index every single day man when when then it gets back to whatever normal is and you have access and we actually can engage in in in, in do things like that Again, the future is even brighter. It's saying that's, that's it what is. optimism is, belief, hope, knowing that it can. I know we can come out of this, and I'm excited to see how we do.
Um, with that, uh, we're going to wrap it up for today. As always, you can keep up with us at letsthink3d.com and follow us on all of our uh, socials. Make sure you guys are engaging on those platforms. So follow us, like us, and uh, ask us some questions. Hit us in the DMs, whatever it is. We want to make sure that we're talking about what you want us to be talking about. And until next time, as always, stay safe, stay clean, stay quarantined. Vivani Herrera and Tammy Dice Howard at Think3D. And uh, Dan over there in the corner, um, we appreciate you guys and see you next time. Thanks.